Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Establish the Show. It's a Thanksgiving edition. Terrible holiday. Great day for football. I, of course, am Adam Levitan. As always, I'm joined for Establish the Show by Evan Silva and by Andrew Wiggins back from his hiatus. Evan, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? Love playing DFS on uh, on Thanksgiving. Uh, adds a little spice to the day, and uh, I always look forward to this slate. I think it's a pretty interesting slate. Um, excited to break it down with you guys. Wiggins, people demand to know where you were last week. They missed you. How's it going? It's good. Hey, I was in Chicago just knocking out the family activities a week early, and it's a good thing I did because we got two feet of snow here yesterday. So uh, travel, trying to travel during that would have been brutal. And yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the slate. I'm a little sad that we don't have Stafford Galladay connection. And it started this way back with Stafford and Megatron. I would play that every single Thanksgiving, and uh, I think it's dead this year. I don't know if Driscoll Galladay or or what David Blau to Galladay has a, has the same ring to it. So mm-hmm. we'll have to sort through that. A uh, couple notes right now. Uh, first of all. The uh, subscriber league for Establish the Run is up. If you go to, if you're a member, you go to Evan Silva's Thanksgiving matchups and you go to the top, you'll find a link to get into the DraftKings League. It's $3 to get in, rake free, added prizes. I don't have an Establish the Run t-shirt. However, top five people who finish in this league will be getting an Establish the Run t-shirt. But most importantly, it's rake free and it's just fun to compete against fellow ETR people also we are running a few promo codes right now if you're not yet a member absurd promo code which i actually was against to be quite frank it's too cheap however five dollars if you use the promo code black friday on a one week pass you get it for one week five dollars normally twenty dollars also etr 20 gets you 20 percent off any monthly purchase and mid-season promo code mid-season will get you eighty dollars off a rest of season package we will be here with all the content through the super bowl all right, the goal of this show, and we normally go position by position, and we'll be back on Friday to go position by position through the main slate. The goal of this show, however, is to go game by game and try to get a little bit deeper because plays on that were on a main slate on an 11-game slate that we would just brush off as too thin, floors are too low, et cetera, et cetera, are definitely in play. And I thought Evan did a good job in his matchups, a matchups article for Thanksgiving in going deeper with some of these guys who are in play. We're going to talk about some of them such as Javon Wims, such as these tight ends that people have never heard of, because there's only really one tight end I think anybody has heard of on this slate that actually uh, is in play. But I think there are some other interesting names. So we're going to go a little bit deeper than normal. But I want to get general takes on this slate. And, and first of all, Wiggins, I would say that, you know, you're the king of uh, being upset with the sites about pricing. I would even admit that on this slate, the pricing is not great because it is extremely easy and probably too easy to fit in the three obvious best plays. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott. It is, uh, you know, you can fit those guys very easily. And I would suggest that an overwhelming number of lineups are going to fit all three guys. Um, and that's probably right. So what do you think about the slate as a whole, Wiggins, from a DFS perspective? And uh, what do we do when the pricing is... Uh, makes it kind of so it's almost a pick them beyond those top three guys. Yeah, I mean, it's a little disappointing for cash, but it's a three-game slate, so uh, it's not totally surprising. But they could have been a little bit tighter, especially on DraftKings. I think you can get those three guys in pretty easily, uh, especially if you know if Julio doesn't go. That's just going to open things up more. And we're expecting Taylor Gabriel probably not to go, so there's some value in the Bears game. But, uh, I mean, it should be fun for GPPs. Um, 
you're going to have to make some plays and make you a little uncomfortable, but I think we can find some spots where there's, where there's some good leverage to be had. Yeah. And one thing I would say on these mini slates, as opposed to full slates, I would be, if you're playing tournaments, I would be more comfortable leaving more money on the table. Just generally speaking about small slates, two or three game slates. If you're playing tournaments, you're fine leaving more uh, money than usual on the table, et cetera, et cetera. We do have a lot of injury news, which we'll get to Evan. And, and I, I think there's, um, maybe more injuries for Thanksgiving than usual. If you go to Establish Run Twitter, uh, we tweeted out a bunch of them this morning. Uh, I think the biggest one is Julio, though, Evan. Before we get into it, do you have any read on whether you think Julio is going to end up playing or not with that shoulder issue? Um, yeah, I think that he probably will. I mean, I'm kind of leaning on Dr. Chow here. Dr. Chow thinks that he probably will. It is, you know, really starting to shake up as a lost season for the Falcons. So I think that that, you know, adds some pause there. Uh, but it was an AC joint sprain. That's typically a day-to-day -day injury. Um, it's going to be a really big deal if he does not play. Uh, but I, my, <clears throat> my expectation as of tonight is that he will, but he didn't practice on Monday or Tuesday. Am I correct about it? Uh, I didn't look at their injury report today. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, every practice that he misses adds more doubt. And, um, you know, but I, I don't know, we'll, we'll see, I guess we'll, you know, we'll, we'll learn more tomorrow and then we'll know for sure, hopefully uh, by Thursday morning. Yeah. And one thing about these slates where games aren't overlapping, you know, on these small slates, when the games are, uh, you know, a different set, uh, noon, four, eight, you need to be using late swap to your advantage. I think there's a huge edge in all formats and not just with injury stuff, just seeing what your opponents have. Let's say you get off to a bad start and you have a bunch of bears and the bears score zero points, you know, pivoting to something contrarian in the later games, et cetera, et cetera. So I would encourage people, if you're playing to get max EV out of this slate, you will have late swap options on the table. All right, let's go ahead and get into this game by game here, Chicago at Detroit. And the big uh, story for me in this game is what you think the Bears running backs uh, are going to be able to do and how they'll be used against the Lions, because really they're down to two. I mean, Mike Davis is gone. Ryan Nall only played three snaps last week they're only using David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen now um the Bears have been extremely game plan specific with how they use Tariq Cohen the last two weeks have been big spike up weeks for Tariq Cohen in terms of usage if he's going to see six seven eight targets in a game he's extremely viable on DraftKings and I think one of the better running back plays on DraftKings how do you think the game plan for the Bears sets up here Evan when it comes to Montgomery and Cohen yeah, I mean, I think that historically, absolutely, Tariq Cohen's usage has been game plan specific. I think that over the last two weeks, though, I think it's been a little bit less game plan specific and more just like they need a spark on offense because tradi their traditional running game, you know, their their basic running game is just broken. I mean, they can't open any holes up front. Um, and David Montgomery has been unable to get any space uh, between the tackles. So I think they've just kind of needed a spark. At times, Tariq Cohen has given that to them. He's got 14 touches and 13 touches over his last two. He's played over 50% of the snaps in three straight. Um, the Lions have allowed the third most receiving yards per game to running backs. And I think that this game shapes up pretty well for Tariq Cohen because uh, I think it checks the boxes of it being a game plan specific game where um, it's, it's favorable on paper for Tariq Cohen and also just because the, the Bears have needed this and he's been giving them a little bit of a spark offensively. Now, this is not necessarily 
cut into David Montgomery's playing time because last week he played 64% of the snaps was a pretty good number for him. He ran 23 pass routes, his most all year. Um, so I, you know, if you're looking for contrarian ways to attack the slate, like David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen playing them together, mm-hmm. um, I think is a little bit interesting. Neither of them is particularly expensive. Uh, David Montgomery is tied for the league lead and carries inside the five yard line. Um, he, uh, and the, the lions have given up 17 all purpose touchdowns in 11 games to running backs and Tariq Cohen, I think is going to continue to play a big role on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and there's certainly a lot of injuries in terms of up front for the Lions who've been struggling against uh, the running back position all year. I think Wiggins, Dave Montgomery is going to project well because his role is strong. As Evan alluded to, uh, his role has been better than his his efficiency. I mean, this dude has really been bad from the efficiency perspective. I'm higher, I think, as we sit right now, if I had to pick one, specifically for DraftKings, especially on Tariq Cohen than David Montgomery, I think projections will likely tell a different story though, just because if you give Dave Montgomery baselines on his usage, uh, he's going to look better than he actually does. Uh, I don't know if we can find breakout spots for David Montgomery. It just seems like he's pretty rough from the efficiency perspective, but what do you think? Yeah. Well, first off, I like Devin's calling the cheat code there with the two running backs that, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember Corey Albertson won the Millie maker, I believe with, with the two Atlanta running backs and, that was viable a few times. I don't, I don't know if it's viable here because Chicago's just not capable of scoring a lot of points, uh, but it's something not a lot of people are going to do. So that's definitely an interesting angle for tournaments. As far as how I prefer them, I think it's pretty site specific. And on DraftKings, which is obviously PPR, Cohen is cheaper. So I think he's probably the preferred play. I mean, they're projecting very close. I would say Cohen's got the higher four there just because he's pretty likely to catch a few balls. And then if you look over on FanDuel, he, I think he's 5'9 and Cohen's like 6'4". So uh, half point PPR. Like, I think it's pretty clear he'll be the higher own guy there. And I probably slightly prefer him there. He's a little bit more likely to score a touchdown, but they're, they're both very close. So I, I don't think you could fault going either direction on either side. All right. I want to mention the injuries in this game. Cause I think it's important. I do not expect Taylor Gabriel to play. And let's start there, Evan, with the bears wideouts. I think their three wide set uh, is going to be Allen Robinson, who we know and love uh, Anthony Miller, who I think was a prospect that, Draft Twitter was on a, a pretty decent amount and has had his ups and downs. Still wasn't playing a full-time role as of last week. And then I think the guy coming in to sub for Taylor Gabriel will be Javon Wims. And if anybody has played preseason over the last two years, you are well aware of Javon Wims, who has been one of the best players in preseason. In fact, he was so good in preseason late this past preseason, we couldn't even play him because he wasn't playing that much because he had already made the team. Um, Talk to me. Well, why don't you tell the people a little about Javon Wims for those who aren't familiar with him? And what do you think about Anthony Miller? Are we going to see a role change here for Anthony Miller? Because based on the injuries, uh, I am projecting Anthony Miller to be one of the higher owned secondary plays on the slate. Yeah, Javon Wims, as you mentioned, um, you know, was a, an absolute monster in the preseason in 2018. And then this year they scaled him back because he made, he made the team. Uh, he, so Taylor Gabriel missed weeks four and five against uh, the Vikings and the Raiders. Javon Wims jumped right into uh, Taylor Gabriel with a a concussion. This is actually his second concussion of the season. Like he's not going to play. But uh, in those two games, Javon Wims was an every down player, 94% and 93% of the snaps. He had a good game four for 56 against the Vikings and then he totally dudded against the Raiders with a zero. So 
Uh, now he costs three thousand on Dre on DK. You know he's like stone minimum. Um, in terms of his skill set, uh, he's six three two fifteen. He's a big possession receiver. We saw him play a lot in the slot in the preseason. He's going to be an outside receiver here because Anthony Miller is the bear slot receiver, and Allen Robinson plays a lot in the slot as well. Uh, but yeah, six three two fifteen, big possession receiver with adequate speed, four five three, uh, and where he's really made his mark in the preseason is, has been as a guy who makes contested catches. Um, and I think that this is a good on-paper matchup for him because uh, Rashawn Melvin uh, looks like he is not going to play. And so the Lions are going to have to dig into their depth uh, for a rookie fifth-round pick out of Penn State, Amani Orowie, uh, who he's a freak athlete. Like, I don't know what they got in the water – and uh, it, it's Happy Valley, right? Is, is it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So H-E-H, H-E-H Valley, yeah. Yeah, seriously. And this guy's just a freak athlete. I mean, four four seven. he's big. And uh, six eight two three cone, which is, like, ridiculous, uh, in, you know, for a, a guy who's, like, six two two oh five 205 uh, at corner. But he's really, really raw. He only started for one season at Penn State. And that's probably going to be the guy that Javon Wims matches up with most in this game because I think that we're going to see – a lot of Darius Slay on, on Allen Robinson. And now Matt Nagy can get uh, Allen Robinson away from Darius Slay. Uh, we could talk about that more in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Javon Wims really stands out as the number one beneficiary of Taylor Gabriel uh, not playing. I did want to mention that there's a possibility that we could see Riley Ridley, uh, who's been inactive for every single game this year, and he would be the threat to Javon Wims' playing time. But, again, he has not even played a snap this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the thing about it on DraftKings is like Anthony Miller is only 900 more than Javon Wims. I think it's going to push a lot of people Wiggins onto Anthony Miller. And I think he's going to be really owned once people start going through the depth chart here and realize what the bears, where the bears are at. And I think Anthony Miller makes for um, an interesting play, but also an interesting fade because a, he's attached to Mitch Trubisky uh, and B, you know, I mean, he's, freaking Anthony Miller and we have other options down there at the bottom. What are you thinking at the bottom of this Chicago wide receiver tree? Yeah. I mean, Anthony Miller is a lot safer. He's a guy that's been coming on a little bit the last two weeks, but if you go back two weeks ago, he played a bunch of snaps and then it dropped off last week. Obviously that's not a concern with Gabriel missing, but um, yeah, I mean, he, he just, we, I think we know what we're getting with him compared to with Wims and he's also on the Bilo model. Mm. So that's good. Uh, as far as tournaments, I mean, let's keep in mind that outside of Allen Robinson, and even there have been a lot of games where Allen Robinson has disappeared just because of how inept this offense is. And you're right. talking about a team that's going on the road. It's probably going to be a slow game. The last time they played was very slow. They have 20.5 total. There's a lot of pass to basically everyone on this offense failing. So if you start thinking about having the running back, one, two of their receivers, potentially their defense, like that's a good way to lose all your money. So, um, I don't know. I mean, Anthony Miller is going to be tough to avoid in cash on, on both sides, I think, but he's, I don't want to say an easy GPP fade, but I'll, I'll be strongly concerned with the ownership that he's going to carry. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the spot for Allen Robinson while we're here, Evan. We're, we've always been high here on Allen Robinson's natural talent. He's um, I think you mentioned in matchups that his floor is actually better than perception. Despite Mitch Trubisky, it still makes me uneasy to pay these six, seven K price tags for Allen Robinson when things can go so south with Trubisky. Do you find anything in this matchup um, for Allen Robinson that stands out? Well, I think that 
you know, yeah, first of all, they play, these teams played in week 10 and uh, Allen Robinson got nine targets. Only two of them were against Darius Slay. So they were, and Darius Slay has been playing really good ball recently. Um, you know, he shut down out, uh, Amari Cooper a couple weeks ago. Um, and, uh, but they were able to get Allen Robinson away from him. Allen Robinson came away with six for 86. That's, you know, that's a, a pretty good stat line there. And I think that, you know, Allen Robinson just makes the most sense if you want to roll the dice on Trubisky being the number one quarterback scorer on the slate. You know, we've got, I mean, we, you know, the Atlanta New Orleans game is, it could kind of go any which way, I think. Um, and then the Buffalo Dallas game really on paper kind of sets up as a low scoring game. So, you know, could Mitch find his way to being like, you know, scoring like 23 points and being the, the number one overall fantasy quarterback on the Thanksgiving slate. Like I think it's kind of in the range of potential outcomes mm -hmm. because uh, Mitchell Trubisky had his best game this past week. He started to run a little bit more um, and he had his second best game of the season uh, against the lions in week 10. So, um, and the lions, it looks like they're going to be without their number two cornerback. It looks like they might be without their top pass rusher, Trey flowers. They're just not a good defense. I think that they're, you know, there are kind of some reasons to believe that they might be tanking. Um, you know, the Bears defense could shut, could set up uh, Mitchell Trubisky with short fields for sure. And, uh, you know, like his main man, you know, in those situations is going to be Allen Robinson. So I think that, you know, as a stack that never is going to make people comfortable, uh, you know, and so that I think will create a little bit lower ownership because I think that Drew Brees and maybe Josh Allen and maybe Dak Prescott might carry more ownership. Um, I think that Mitchell Trubisky to Allen Robinson is a pretty interesting stack that might be, you know, relatively low owned on this particular three game slate. Oh, I agree. It'll definitely be uh, lower owned than a lot of the other stuff we're going to talk about. I want to mention the Bears tight ends because the tight end position at this slate is um, so absurd. Like if you're not playing Jared Cook, I, I, I wasn't really joking. I don't think most people have heard of the other options at tight end on this slate. And we can start with the Bears because Trey Burton's on IR. Adam Shaheen, I do not expect to play. Uh, the Gronkinator, the Bronkinator, uh, Ben Brockener, or, uh, is not expected to play. So I think the Bears are going to have three tight ends active. They'll be Holtz, Horstead, and Sowell. Do you have any read, Evan? Can we play any of these guys? Who would you pick if you could play one of these Bears tight ends? And, and are they all just locks for zeros? Not Sowell. Let's not play Sowell because he's an offensive lineman. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's like, George, a touchdown now. Like, he's like george fan yeah he's like yeah. george fan yeah or dennis kelly last last week scored a touchdown yeah um no i think that uh it's yeah it's between jesper horstead and jp holtz jp holtz is a blocker and jesper horstead killed it in the ivy league at princeton but he just he got they signed him up the practice squad last week they have all these uh ivy league tight ends like broniker went to harvard um <laughs> uh and then they signed him. They signed Jesper Horstead off the practice squad last week. He played four snaps in his NFL debut. Now all of a sudden he looks poised to like play a ton of snaps against the Lions. Um, he was super super productive at Princeton. His uh, athletic metrics aren't that great, uh, but I mean he's been on the practice squad. He's been there. I just, I mean, he's a complete like dart throw, you know, uh, he's got to be minimum price. I, I, I'm, I'm certain yeah. that he is. Yeah, I'm sure he that is. is. Yeah. He is indeed 2,500. And, and it would be more interesting to me 
if we needed this salary. Uh, Wiggins, I guess one of the decisions that we'll talk about, and we should save to talk about when we get to Jared Cook, but the rest of the tight end position is so barren. I mean, I don't know how you feel about going off with some of these punt guys. It seems really thin. I'm not touching any of the Bears tight ends. I mean, even their better tight ends, I don't know if any of them is top 10 fantasy points all year. You just don't need it. Well, I mean, look, all the all the plays stink, but if you're going to play a minimum guy, I mean, Hawkinson is like right around minimum, you know, at least he has shown some upside. Like, I, He's not for sure going to play, but let's just assume he does. I think he's an interesting tournament play who's going to fly under the radar. Uh, yeah, so I'm not looking at the Bears, guys. Yeah, and, and then Jaden Graham uh, is essentially a minimum two in the final game. And, like, he made a big play at least last week. Yeah, so yeah. at least you know, at least someone that has, like, you could talk yourself into maybe having somewhat of a ceiling. I don't think that's the case with the Bears, guys. I was actually at the Penn-Princeton game on Saturday. It was like a – it had the feel of a, a real high school game. Let me tell you, it was, it was, a, it was a sight to behold. Um, okay. Let's go to the Lions side. I want to mention the injury to Jeff Driscoll. And I don't think Jeff Driscoll is like hurt bad. He's got a sore hamstring. I, I expect him to end up playing. But I think a big part of Jeff Driscoll's success and the way he's been winning is with his mobility. If Jeff Driscoll is limited in any sense, it's really bad. So all, I think all the Lions guys down the line are going to be the lowest owned team by far on the entire slate. And I think Bears defense is going to be the highest owned defense on the entire slate, especially on DraftKings, where somehow DraftKings made the Bears defense 2,500, which is just, I, I don't know how they ended up uh, there. But Evan, how much concern do you have on Jeff Driscoll? And um, what do you think about the matchups for guys like Galladay uh, and Marvin? Yeah, I think that they made the, my guess is that they made the Bears that cheap because the Bears have sucked as a fantasy defense this year. They're like 16th. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I'm assuming that they use like an algorithm to r- arrive there and that's what got them there. But yeah, I mean, like pound for pound, you know, on a price adjusted basis, like it's the, the bears are just screaming at us at that price point. Um, yeah. So draft Jeff Driscoll uh, came out of last week's game. He ran nine times, came out of last week's game. Matt Patricia was like, you know, he ran a bunch in the game. He, uh, you know, suffered a tight hamstring. He was sore again today. Um he had his worst game of the season. I uh, took six sacks through three interceptions, fumbled. Um, and that was against the Redskins. Now he's facing what's still a good bears defense. I mean, they're not giving up points. They just haven't been scoring fantasy points um, because they're not getting, you know, a million sacks and, you know, uh, you know, returning uh, fumbles and interceptions for touchdowns like they did last year. That's just, you know, natural regression. Uh, but I think that if we get Jeff Driscoll confined to the pocket, due to the hamstring injury, uh, and also the Bears defense ha- has allowed the eighth fewest rushing yards to quarterbacks this year. Um, if we can, you know, and, and if that's a product of Chuck Pagano's scheme and Jeff Driscoll is at well less than 100%, that's going to be a big problem for Jeff Driscoll playing from the pocket because such a big part of his game and really his fantasy scoring ability is driven by his legs. Um and maybe even, you know, a situation where we do see the, the next dude, David Blue, uh, who was like the four stringer for the, for the Browns in training camp, like just a pure camp arm. He would be the next guy up. Yeah. So, I mean, given all that, I really think Galladay and Marvin Jones are going to be extremely low owned. I, I would kind of agree with Wiggins that if I was punting off a tight end, I'm more interested in TJ Hawkinson, who despite a shoulder issue, still ran a ton of routes last week, still played uh, a ton of snaps. Um, I don't know, Wiggins, is there any leverage to be had on Detroit's side? 
I mean, they're not going to be owned. So yeah, I, I, especially Galladay, because it seems like Driscoll has favored Marvin Jones. But I mean, we've seen with these guys like for a long time that it can swing back and forth very quickly. So uh, I mean, I love Galladay in tournaments. It's, it's like, like we said at the top of the show, these, these plays are not going to make you comfortable, but we know that Galladay has a high ceiling and he'll be probably one of the, one of the lowest known players on the slate. So hard to go yeah. along with that in tournaments. Uh, one pivot off of David Montgomery, who I think will be far more owned is Bo Scarborough. And I don't think the projection between Bo Scarborough and David Montgomery is really that different. I understand that David Montgomery runs a lot more routes and in theory has a higher ceiling in the past game. But man, Dan Munker has been so inefficient and at least Bo Scarborough uh, has been running the ball reasonably well. He has only ran 17 routes total in the last two weeks, but they're committed, it seems, uh, to using him as their two down pounder in like a LeGarrette Blunt kind of role. I think that Bo Scarborough, you know, on DraftKings, he would need to get to 100 yards or score a touchdown for it to matter, but he has at least a chance to do so. I mean, you noted, Evan, that the Bears run defense, I mean, since losing Akeem Hicks has been an absolute disaster i think bo scarborough has passed outscoring somebody like david montgomery uh, pretty reasonably what do you think about bo yeah i mean you mentioned it's just he has zero catches through the two games where he's been the bear starter they've been giving him a lot of work um and i think he's kind of answered the bell i mean he's been really breaking tackles at a very very high rate um he's got uh, he's at like almost uh five yards per carry over the past two weeks um, he's been producing for them. You mentioned Akeem Hicks' injury. In the meantime, since Akeem Hicks' injury, the Bears also lost Danny Trevathan, uh, their best inside linebacker. And J.D. McKissick and Ty Johnson just really have been like they're like the same guy almost, um, you know, in terms of their usage. So you definitely are going to need a touchdown from Bar Bo Scarborough. Uh, the Bears have given up nine rushing touchdowns over their last seven games, so they've been giving in that respect. Um, I do just worry about. You know, the, the Lions offense just not putting up many points here, especially with a banged up quarterback. Um, and, you know, just just their offense is just not good. Yeah. And you could say the same thing about the Bears, you know, and that's the concern for me with playing a lot of Bears in one lineup is like we could see a really low scoring game here. Um, if we end up with the Mitch that we've seen for most of the season, I do agree with Evan that I think there's paths to Mitch. Uh, also, you know, just a really wide range of outcomes on Mitch. And I think that makes him for makes for a good tournament play specifically on a small slate uh anybody i didn't mention in this game you want to highlight evan um i didn't bring up dusty danny amendola i think that's about it for who i didn't bring up no i think we kind of hit on everybody um hawkinson you know is a guy that just really hasn't done anything since week one mm -hmm. um but you know as you, you guys both brought him up I think that he's interesting here because, uh, and I think he's going to play. Um, he's been battling this shoulder thing for a, a while. He was limited practice on, uh, I believe, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, his snaps were way down last week uh, at 44%, his lowest of the season. But he ran 31 pass routes, which were tied for the third most that he's had all season. The Bears have given up the fifth most catches, six most yards to opposing tight ends. And... Um, you know, Hawkinson, like I kind of like that they scaled back his run blocking snaps and are just using him as uh, like a, a route running tight end, um, you know, and letting like Jesse James and uh, Logan Thomas handle the uh, like kind of like the dirty work. So uh, that, that's a guy that I wanted to highlight a little bit. All right. Anything else from this game, Wiggins? 
Now, I'd just say, you know, that there's a lot of value on the Bears side, so they're going to catch a lot of ownership, and there's just a lot of pass to them failing. So be careful yeah. on GBPs, but also know that if you play guys from this game, it gives you the opportunity to swap. So there's, you know, maybe a slight bump. You know, if, if there's a tiebreaker on this slate, I'd take the guy that plays earlier because then you can react to, to, to whatever happens. And, and that's a big thing on these sites that are spread out like this. Yeah. Yeah. Finding out information earlier, certainly better. And, and yeah, I mean, we've talked about it all year. Ownership in these days in this current state of DFS is following very in line with projections because so much of the field is using them and uh, mass entering with them, et cetera, et cetera. So we know that a lot of the bears are projecting well. We know they're going to be uh, relatively high owned. Let's move to a game where I think another story is the pricing. Um, the big story for me in Buffalo, Dallas is the way that Dak and Amari were priced by DraftKings. Dak is 5,700. Amari is only 6K. We understand that Amari has been absolutely atrocious the last two weeks. Maybe we can blame two weeks ago on, on injury. Maybe we can blame last week on an impossible matchup against Stefan Gilmore. I'm curious though, Evan, this is another difficult matchup against Tredavious White. However, I mean, God, I, you know, I don't want to go overboard on home road splits, but Amari has absolutely shredded. I mean, shredded like every time he's been home as a cowboy and he's been rough on the road for whatever that's worth. I don't know if we could say why, but I mean, Amari can certainly win against Tredavious White. I wouldn't call it a good matchup though. Uh, Amari is very cheap on DraftKings. What do you think about him? I mean, I think it's just exactly what you said. And Dak really correlates strongly too with those home road splits. Like even you just, just go back to, the games that they played last year, um, you know, it's it, there have been massive home road splits in favor of Dak and uh, Amari at at Jerry World. Um, so, I mean, that's something that you can kind of hang your hat on if you're because I think that these guys are going to be lower owned than they usually would on a slate like this uh, because, you know, of the recency bias uh, against New England. They didn't get it done. And now they're facing the freaking Bills who don't give up points. Um, so I think it's an, an interesting stack uh, in that respect. Uh, I do like uh, Michael Gallup, though, um, kind of as a result of, of that difficult matchup for Amari Cooper, uh, the number two cornerback for the Bills, Levi Wallace, who ran like a 4-7 coming out of Alabama. That's why he wasn't drafted. And he's actually he's been I mean, he's a starter in the NFL after not being drafted out of Alabama. Um, so, you know, he, he's kind of like been an overachiever, but he's given up a 70 percent completion rate. Uh, four touchdowns this season and they've started to scale back his snaps a little bit because uh, he's been fairly ineffective and Michael Gallup has been an absolute baller um, and I think that he might go just a little bit more overlooked than he should um, and so I think that he's pretty interesting as a result of, of that difficult matchup. Yeah and uh, you know the pricing on DraftKings is going to make Dak, uh, Dak's definitely very highly owned Wiggins and uh, Amari, I think also, despite the recent struggles and the matchup, like, you know, if they would have made Amari 67 and Dak 65, it would have been a whole different story. I think I don't want to be as price sensitive on this slate. So if I think that Dak and Amari are in a bad matchup, like Evan does, and I kind of agree, um, I'd be willing to IKB. I know better than projections, what do you think about uh, the price and the situation with Dak and Amari specifically on DraftKings? Yeah, and I'd also throw out, I mean, we're not entirely sure if he's healthy right now. I mean, he's been pretty banged up. So I know he played a lot of snaps last week, but he also had zero catches. You know, it's a tough matchup. But 
he's probably not 100%. So on FanDuel, he's 7-9. He's 100 more than Julio, 200 more than Allen Robinson. I'm, he, he's probably a better tournament play there because I don't think anyone's going to play him there. And then DraftKings, he's just, I mean, I'd say pretty egregiously priced at 6K. Uh, you, you really have to do a pretty big I know best, I think, to not play him. Now, that being said, and I'm talking about cash when I say that, John Brown's only $300 more. The numbers I'm looking at right now have Amari pretty far ahead, but you know, you could make an argument for why John Brown is a better play. So, you know, I don't know. And I could see John Brown though becoming like a sexy tournament play and, and having similar ownership. So that's a really tough spot that I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to give some thought to. And I, I mean, like, what do you think about that situation, Adam? Yeah, I, I think that um <clears throat> if Amari was eight or 900 more, it like wouldn't even be a question to be off Amari given the matchup. But, you know, at that price, it's harder to be off him. And I do think that Amari at home, like, God, I mean, he's just so explosive and so dominant. Like, and I love Tredavious way and I love the Bills defense. Um, God, I just hate to, to just pile him in there just because he's mispriced by 800. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah, on a main... Well- on a main slate, that's that's fine. On a short slate, it's like I'm willing to be less price sensitive, you know? Right, and you're comparing him to the other guys. So John Brown's $300 more, Ridley 600 more, Alan Robbins, Robinson's 700 more, Gallup is 500 less. Like when you get that close, I get that Amari has a tougher matchup, but I mean, that, that Amari is the guy who goes for 40, you know, and Gallup's had some good games. Right. Amari broke the slate on Thanksgiving last year. He went for like 250 yards and two touchdowns. So yeah, it's, it'd be a scary fade. Um, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Amari's ceiling, you know, is outrageous, particularly in Jerry World. But let's talk about why it's a difficult matchup, Evan, because I think that plays into Zeke. And we talked a lot last week about why we liked Philip Lindsay. It didn't work out. Philip Lindsay was efficient. You know, Denver's offense was just a disaster. But I think Zeke and, you know, you don't have to ask the Cowboys to put the ball in Zeke's belly and run the ball up the middle like 25 times. And that's what the Bills want you to do. So why don't you give the people a little bit about why, how the Bills play defense and how it plays into Zeke's hands and why, you know, we could have even more concerns about the pass game. Yeah, because the Bills kind of get it on defense and they are willing to sacrifice, uh, you know, pretty good rushing efficiency and rushing numbers in exchange for having one of the best pass defenses in the league uh, because they play uh, on almost 100% of their snaps, they play um, seven man or fewer boxes. Uh, so that allows them to drop uh, defenders into coverage, uh, more defenders than, than most teams. And, you know, they're not going to like sell out to stop the run ever, uh, even if they're facing a good rushing offense like Dallas. Um, so, I mean, and that can, you know, I think that that can work in our favor from a fantasy standpoint when we're looking at Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's really underpriced uh, as at, at 7,400 as like a virtual lock for 20 plus touches and a chance at like, 30 touches. Uh, he's favored at home. I mean, he checks a lot of boxes this week uh, as a guy that, you know, you just kind of put in almost every lineup. Um, okay. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about John Brown because we were comparing him to Amari Cooper. I don't think the matchup for John Brown is particularly good either. Now I'm a big John Brown fan. I am a big Josh Allen fan uh, going to Jerry world to take on this defense, I think is, um, one of the tougher tasks, at least from perimeter corner perspective and matchup that the Bra- that the Bills have seen this year. How would you compare the matchup for Amari to the one that John Brown's going to face, Evan? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's 
considerably better. I mean, Tredavious White is like a true shutdown corner, like in the Stefan Gilmore tier, uh, I think. And I, I mean, I like Byron Jones and I like Chidobe Awuzie, but John Brown can run by those guys. John, John Brown can run by anyone. We saw it last week on the 34-yard touchdown catch. It's right over the top of Chris Harris. It's ran right by him. Um, and I, he's averaging 8.1 targets uh, over the course of the season. I know that historically we think of him as a boom-bust boom guy. He has not been a boom-bust guy at all this year. Uh, he's been incredibly consistent. Uh, and he's, you know, mixed in his fair share of, of big games. And, um, man, I, I like him to outscore Amari. Um, and I like him, you know, I like his chances of being like a, a top three scorer on this specific slate at the wide receiver position. He's, he's a baller. His consistency in terms of his usage and his production have, have all been there. Uh, jo Josh Allen, you know, is, is an aggressive passer and he will take shots to John Brown, no question. One of the things about Josh Allen is like, you know, regardless of matchup, nobody else on the slate has the upside to rush for two touchdowns and throw for two like Josh Allen. And he is extremely aggressive down the field. As Evan mentioned, you know, um, I, the fact that Josh Allen is priced 500 more than Dak Prescott on DraftKings is going to keep his ownership low. But God, I mean, Josh Allen's just in play every week for tournaments. And on a short slate like this, he could easily, easily, easily be the top scorer. I think a lot of people are going to see it that way, though. Wiggins, uh, what do you think about Josh Allen and, and playing around with the Bills passing? We haven't mentioned uh, Cole Beasley at all. Uh, another one of my favorite slot receivers, along with along with Danny Amendola. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've already alluded to a little bit. I, I think there's a decent chance that the ownership on these guys is going to get a little bit ahead of itself because it's just, they're just such obvious GBP plays. Josh Allen, like he's so easy to stack with John Brown and he's got the rushing upside and you can see that he's a little bit mispriced. I don't know. I, I just kind of see a lot of people saying, Oh, this is, this is the clear GBP move. And then before you know it, like he's become chalk in tournaments. So that concerns me quite a bit, especially on DraftKings. Um, but you know, like, like you said, for all the reasons that you said, they're good play, you know, for the reasons that I, they could get away from us, they are good. GBP, you know, there's upside there, I guess is what I'm saying. So I'll probably shy away from it just because I'm that worried about ownership and, and like Trubitsky and Matt Ryan, like those are guys I think I can say pretty safely will come in quite a bit less on than Josh, Josh Allen, at least on DraftKings. So I'm probably gonna look more that direction. Uh, we haven't mentioned Devin Singletary yet, Evan. And, and you know, we've, um, I've at least personally been battling with Devin Singletary from being probably too excited about a guy who, loses a lot of goal line work, who doesn't have a big pass game role, to maybe being uh, too low on a guy who um, has direct pass to 100 yards and, uh, you know, plays 75% of his team's snaps. What do you think about this spot for Devin Singletary, and how would you compare him to someone like, say, uh, um, how would you compare him to, like, say, somebody like David Montgomery? I mean, the Bills rushing offense and their offense in general is just a lot more functional right now than, you know, what David Montgomery is experiencing. Um, but with David, uh, with Devin Singletary averaging eight, 18 touches over the last month, uh, the, the Cowboys give up a lot of receiving production to opposing RBs and Singletary is running like, you know, he, well, he's got 71 pass routes run uh, compared to Frank Gore's 20 over the past three weeks. Um, you know, one of the reasons that we've been down on Devin Singletary and rightfully so is because he's been getting vultured so much mm -hmm. by Josh Allen 
And, you know, but that also kind of makes him a positive touchdown regression candidate. I think that you know, we talked about Anthony Miller. He's a positive touchdown regression candidate uh, in the first game that we discussed because you know, this is a guy who scored uh, seven touchdowns as a rookie and this year has zero touchdowns. Um, and then Devin Singletary scored well, he has zero touchdowns over his three, uh, his last three games. Over his previous four, he had three touchdowns in those, in those four games. Um, so I think that he's got that uh, come kind of coming to him. Um, and those are things that I like about Devin Singletary. Um, uh, last week he played seventy percent of the snaps to Frank Gore's thirty, um, and you know so he kind of he kind of checks a lot of boxes as a guy that is get, getting consistent usage. His matchup isn't overly imposing. Um, he has been running a lot of pass routes and getting a lot of passing game opportunities. He's facing an offense, a defense that gives up a lot of uh, running game or running back opportunities in the passing game. So uh, I, I think he's a, a pretty interesting play here. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? Do you guys think he'll be high owned 5,800? He's priced well above uh, David Montgomery or right above David Montgomery and well above Tariq Cohen. Uh, before I answer, I got a question for you. If let's just say they get behind like 14, nothing right away. Mm -hmm. Is Frank Gore just, would he just not be a part of the game plan going forward? I think so or, because, because he's not involved in their passing game essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, here's a guy who's just kind of sneakily been playing 70% of the snaps the last few weeks has a path to playing more. If they get behind, could catch a bunch of passes. Um, I, I mean, I like him quite a bit. I mean, he, I think he's more talented than David Montgomery. He's been producing more than David Montgomery. And for whatever reason, you know, probably just because of the price, he's going to be less on than David Montgomery. So um, I don't know. I'm looking at Levitan's ownership and he's got him at 20 to 25%. So maybe, maybe I'm underselling how much he's going to be on, but I, I really think he'll be on less than, than Montgomery. And um, yeah, so there's reason to like him for sure. If you can find that extra money. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I am doing uh, ownership projection specific to this slate. Uh, they are up or they'll be up uh, very shortly. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, on a slate, on a three game slate, like 20 to 25, isn't like that much, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds like a lot, but it's not like over the top. So, uh, anybody that's in play and is a reasonable play is going to be, uh, somewhere in the, you know, the 15 to 30 range. And then I think guys like Kamara and Zeke and Michael Thomas will be up towards 60 or 70, uh, with good reason. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but, uh, Cole Beasley is a rapper, uh, Cole Beasley, uh, released like a, a, a album or a track and uh, I think Cole Beasley has a reasonable matchup here as well and I'm always just like too low on this guy and like god I feel like there's been Thanksgivings before where I'm just like sitting there watching the early game and Cole Beasley has like seven catches out of the gate and I'm just dead uh, do you see that happening in this game Evan uh, and what do you think about Cole Beasley yeah I mean he's like a legit really good rapper too I mean he, he drops bars um <laughs> <laughs> I, I like him. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been like more consistently used than I expected in an offense like this because their passing game distribution has been so, so focused on two guys, John Brown and Cole Beasley. And that has given both of those guys like very surprisingly high floors uh, week in and week out. Uh, Cole Beasley now at 70 plus yards and or a touchdown in five of the Bills last six games um, you look at uh, just the sheer box scores against the Cowboys over their last two games uh, both uh, of their opponents were uh, led in receiving by slot receivers 
Um, Cole Beasley, of course, runs 74% of his routes in, inside. He's got the revenge game thing going. And, um, I mean, his usage is – I think it's pretty, pretty bankable uh, right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's a really good play. I think that his price is pretty good, too. I think he's 4700 Correct, yep. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not that bad. Um, okay, let's talk sleepers in this game. And, I, I mean, deep sleepers. Let's start at the Bills' tight end position because, God, like I said, anybody be, behind Jared Cook's going to be considered a sleeper. This dude, Dawson Knox, why don't you tell the people – who Dawson Knox is and why he's in play here, because we've actually mentioned Dawson Knox a few times on main slates. If there was a chance to pull the trigger, it would certainly be in this one where it's only three games and Jerry Cook's like the only reasonable guy. Yeah, Dawson Knox, um, he played at Ole Miss with DK Metcalf and um, uh, A.J. Brown, who have been absolute stud rookies. They're a third guy uh, in the receiver core by the name of De uh, Demarcus Lodge. He had a cup of coffee with uh, the Bucks in training camp. The quarterback was Jordan Te'amu, just absolutely dreadful. Uh, but Dawson Knox had uh, zero career uh, touchdown catches at Ole Miss uh, because, you know, these others just stud, you know, second-round receivers were hogging all the production. Um, and they used him like as an H back. He, he goes to his pro day and he just absolutely rips it up. And, you know, people are like, well, Hey, you know, we, like, we understand he was in this offense with all these studs and it, now it kind of makes sense. He also got hurt a lot in, in, at Ole Miss. Um, but I mean, he just, you know, was not productive whatsoever. Like I remember turning on, like I, I saw his pro day and I, I watched a bunch of his games and I was like, he doesn't do anything ever. Like he just line, lines up it, you know, as an H back or he blocks or you know, he, he didn't do anything. And he's like the most boring guy to watch, but he's a really good athlete. He's had some moments this year. Uh, he played a season high 78% of the snaps last week. The Cowboys have given up, have been giving up a lot of production to opposing tight ends. He's cheap. And um, I think he's a pretty interesting sleeper here. Speaking of sleepers, you have, one more on your list. And this one didn't even cross my mind. Like this one, I, this one's not, I, I didn't even think about it. So nobody's <laughs> going to be on it for sure. I mean, I definitely thought about Dawson Knox. I did not think about Isaiah McKenzie. I thought Isaiah McKenzie had some flashes last year for the bills. I haven't seen it as much this year and it's, you know, I'm just typically low on gadget type guys, but this would, again, this would be a slate. If you're looking to get out of line, if you're looking to get thin, this would be the one to do it. I mean, God, Isaiah McKenzie, Evan, uh, are we serious with this dude? Uh, not really. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but hey, you know, again, like we're going to have some dudes that are really massively owned. And then so probably what decides the slate is who picks out the best, you know, kind of crazy play. Yeah. Right. Um, and as, as I, Isaiah McKenzie is at least a guy to think about. He's run 26 or more pass routes in three straight games. Uh, he is clearly right now the Bills' number three receiver, Robert. Uh, what is it? What is it? Australian for sex, Foster. Yeah, yep, indeed. Uh, yeah, he's he's been injured and just not really a factor. Duke Williams hasn't played since like week seven or something. Uh, so McKenzie is the clear number three. Every once in a while, they'll give him like a rushing attempt. You know, they'll give him like a jet sweep. Um, he hasn't been productive in in a, in a while. You know, just because the passing game can't support more than two guys on a weekly basis. And mm -hmm. Isaiah McKenzie is like fourth in line behind uh, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, probably fifth in line. Um, 
but he's fast. He was an, an amazing punt returner in college. That's what got him drafted in the sixth round by the Broncos. He had some moments last year, if you remember, I think when he took over as their slot receiver late in the season, he had some, he had some big games. He's just, I mean, he's 3,100, you know, he's really, really cheap. He's got some uh, big playability and he's a guy that like, you know, no one's going to play and no one's going to even think about. Um, and if you want to get a little nuts, man, I mean, he clears up some salary for you and uh, you know, he, he's got all those, all those factors working in his favor. All right. Before we move on here, Wiggins, we haven't mentioned Randall Cobb. We have not mentioned Blake Jarwin. We have not mentioned Jason Witten. Um, you know, similar to Larry Fitzgerald, I, I don't typically play uh, guys like Jason Witten. And Randall Cobb was kind of getting to that zone also as a guy who I thought was out of juice. But man, I mean, God, Randall Cobb has actually looked good and healthy and strong the last few weeks. Um, I would rather pick secondary pieces from New Orleans, Atlanta, because I think you have paths to a much better game environment. But what do you think about some of these secondary pieces on Dallas uh, and Buffalo? Yeah, I think the only time I ever played Jarwin was was last Thanksgiving. So um, I, I think I, I played I played uh, Dalton Schultz last Thanksgiving. Ah, yeah, 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 took yeah, a nice zero I, from him. Yeah, I played Jarwin on the showdown or something. Anyway, the guy hasn't crossed my mind since last Thanksgiving, but he won't be crossing my mind this Thanksgiving. And, and Randall Cobb's one of those guys. I think for us as as sharper players, we're just going to keep fading him, and the Donks are just going to keep playing him and, and, and taking all of our money. I'm not getting him on this week in a situation where I don't think. They're going to necessarily need to be passing a ton. And then uh, Witten, man. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, you know, let me say, I don't think Dawson Knox is a sleeper at all. I think he might be the number one or number two most owned tight end on, on both slates, especially on Fandle. He's four or five. Jared Cook's six, seven. It's hard to get up to him. And Dawson Knox, I think, is going to be the go-to punt play. I, I really do on Fandle. So definitely not a sleeper, but I like him a lot. I like him a lot better than Witten or, or – um, whatever the dude's name is, Jarwin. And then on DraftKings, you know, it's a little bit easier to get up to Cook, but I still think Dawson Knox is going to be on there. And then uh, just one one men, or one thought on McKenzie is I think he's a pretty nice pivot off of Wims, assuming Wims' ownership gets up in the, like, 10 to 20% range. They're the same price. And let's be real. I mean, McKenzie's going to be projected for, I don't know, like a point or two less at most, and he could break off a big play. So I, I do like him a lot for tournaments. But, yeah, the, all those secondary – Cowboys pieces. I mean, really the most likely outcome is they're just going to run the ball the time. And right. if I was going to play a secondary option there, maybe it's Tony Pollard. Uh, I think he's going to be ignored. He's a great leverage playoff of Zeke. Who's just going to be insanely high on. I mean, he scored a touchdown two weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, you, you never know. And that, that's probably the route I'd rather go in tournaments. Yeah. I mean, they, they mostly only use Tony Pollard as like a breather back and then also in garbage time. So it's tough for me to get excited about Tony Pollard and I'm not sure it's leverage against Zeke because I think in the event, like Zeke scores two touchdowns, that's when, or Zeke scores three well, touchdowns, then Pollard comes fair, in. Yeah. I mean, he's been running some routes the last couple of weeks. He had pulling up right here. He had four targets each of the last two weeks and the yeah. one touchdown he scored against Detroit was on a pass. And I, I think part of it was that Zeke had fumbled and they were punishing a little bit. He played, I think he played an entire series over Zeke actually. That's probably not going to happen again. But, I mean, you, you never know. Maybe he's out there on a third down, catches a touchdown. Like, look, it's a thin play. There's no question about it. But if he scores, that means Zeke isn't scoring. And I don't think it necessarily has to be a blowout, especially with the way things are trending there. Hey, yeah. we need to try to, you know, identify the the thin plays that are going to hit, right? I mean, who were the thin plays last week, last year uh, on Thanksgiving? Killer Keith Kirkwood. 
Yeah. And uh, 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 Trey Quinn. Trey right? Quan. Trey, Trey Quinn or Trey Quan? Trey Quinn. Well, well, we'll talk about Trey Quan in a minute. Yeah. But uh, Trey Quinn. You remember he scored a touchdown and then did the office space dance? Right? Oh, I do remember that now. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but these short sites too, just keep in mind the leverage plays are worth a lot. So if, if, you, if you're getting a touchdown of that guy and you know that a guy that's going to be 75% owned is not getting a touchdown, or, you know, look, I don't want to, I'm never playing for injuries, but it's a little bit more in play on these short slates where you, you just kind of need crazy things to happen to separate yourself. Like, you know, maybe Zeke gets hurt. Um, Pollard's an absolute smash player. So I'm not playing for that reason, but. You know, if, if you're 115 and trying to win the milli or something, I, I would probably sprinkle on sprinkle them in at least. And Tony Pollard has more targets than Ezekiel Elliott over the last three weeks, and he also returns kickoffs. So if you play him with the Dallas defense, mm -hmm. you get double <laughs> points, right? Double dip, about. yes. Has that ever actually worked? We <laughs> talk about the double dip anymore. That used to be CSU used to mention that in every freaking podcast. Because right. I, th I think it I think it worked one time with Tavon Austin, and it has never worked since. Yeah. <laughs> It's a hard one to make work. Um, all right. I think we covered everybody in this game. Let's go ahead and move to what should be, what might be. I don't, I don't want to say what's we, definitely. We didn't talk about Jason Witten. Oh, we did mention him while you, while you were okay, uh, okay. off going to the bathroom. But, yeah, what do you think? Give us your, your Jason Witten take. No, I don't obviously... have anything. I'm glad that you guys talked about it while I was going. Yeah, I mean, God. Dude can barely walk out there. All right. What I think should be the highest scoring game and not just because of the totals or whatever. I actually think that this does have direct paths to being the highest scoring game and should be the highest scoring game is Saints-Falcons. What's interesting is when these two teams met two weeks ago, the Saints did not score an offensive touchdown in the Superdome, which was like, to me, one of the biggest upsets of the entire year. Um, I think Brandon made some good points about why the Saints offensive line struggled so badly in that game, but they picked up some more injuries on the offensive line since then. Uh, what do you think, Evan, about how Atlanta's defense matches up with New Orleans now? And also, I should mention, you know, I said I was going to say the big story from each game. The big story from this game is obviously the Julio Jones injury, how you handle it, and the fallout from that. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But generally speaking, what do you think about Saints offense versus Falcons defense? I mean, I was kind of on the Falcons defense, you know, two-game blip was, you know, just kind of a farce. And I think that the Bucks kind of showed us that. Um, I would say that it's a concern that, yeah, the Saints lost to Ron Armstead last week, 10 snaps into the game. He's not going to play this week. He has a high ankle sprain. They already were missing Andrews Pete, uh, who has a broken arm. And is not going to play. So they're missing their the entire left side of their offensive line. Now, they have a guy named Nick Easton that they signed to a four-year, $24 million deal before the season. And he can fill in adequately for uh, Andrews Pete. But – at, um, at left tackle, they had to play Patrick Omame last week, and they were able to survive it. I mean, you know, again, Armstead went out pretty early in the game. Drew Brees gets the ball out quickly, completed 30 of 39 passes last week. Uh, and that's against a, a much better pass rush in Carolina, which is like top five in uh, sacks and number six in quarterback hits on the season. Now they're facing Atlanta, which just much, much less of a pass rush. Um, so I, I think that, look, you know, Sean Payton is one of the best offensive minds in the game. Drew Brees gets the ball out quickly. They can focus on quick passes to Alvin Kamara and, you know, Michael Thomas. Um, and they can kind of circumvent that 
uh, that loss of Teron Armstead, who, I mean, he's, he's a stud. He's one of the best left tackles in the league. He's also a really good run blocker. Um, but uh, I think that they can survive it. Speaking of like surprising performances, I mean, God, the New Orleans home game against Atlanta and then Atlanta's home game against the Bucks. I, I mean, they were just inept and they kicked two short field goals early and it was just really ugly from there. Matt Ryan absolutely fell apart. If Julio Jones can't go or is limited, I think it's going to be Calvin Ridley and Christian Blake on the outside with Russell Gage in the slot. Christian Blake was a guy who I played in the preseason a couple of times. I thought he was fine. Obviously, I think you have to lower the ceiling on Matt Ryan if he does not have Julio. Obviously, I think if Julio is out, Wiggins, uh, Calvin Ridley is going to start popping in a big way. And we also have a situation where Marshawn Lattimore is questionable. And so there's a lot of moving parts here in this late game. Um, I would want to have some flexibility, ideally, to move around if Julio ends up a game-time decision. But, yeah, what do you think? Let's do some if-thens. If Julio is out, do you consider Calvin Ridley uh, a must? And would you bring Russell Gage and Christian Blake into play? Yeah, I mean, I think Ridley would be – pretty close to a must if Julio is out and you know what I'm not going to worry about Lattimore here you know he's banged up we don't even know if he's going to play he could re-aggravate it generally I lean towards not worrying about matchups unless it's a really imposing matchup like Stefan Gilmore like we're worried about him of course um Tredavion White I'm a little bit worried about Amari for sure Lattimore you know he's done a great job this year but when he's banged up I'm just it's too short of a slate I think to, to give it too much thought so if Julio's out you know if Julio plays not so worried about the matchup. I like Julio here. If you, and I, by the way, I do think Julio is going to play. I mean, he finished last game. It's Thanksgiving. This is a guy who has played through various ailments over the years. Uh, I think we'll have a better idea tomorrow. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, Ridley's been balling the last few games. He's, he's really coming on. This is a talented guy who's capable of scoring touchdowns. So, uh, you know, you start looking at him like – you know, if Julio's out, I'd prefer him over Amari for 600 more on, on DraftKings for sure. I think that'd be an easy decision. Then Gage, I mean, Gage basically becomes like almost, almost, a, well, he's four or five. It's a little bit higher than I thought, but still a very strong play on FanDuel 5-4. You know, again, kind of the same thing, like not a must play, but a very strong play. I mean, if, if Julio's out, I'd prefer him over Anthony Miller for sure, just because I think it's just a better game environment. Yeah. Um, and then the other guy, honestly, I don't even, I didn't even know what, who that guy is. I, I thought it'd probably be Justin Hardy, but I, I haven't been paying attention to the depth chart behind those two guys. So, um, yeah, I yeah. Mean, he's probably, I assume he's minimum. So like you could plug him in, but I probably wouldn't play him in cash. It could, it could be Justin Hardy. What do you think, Evan, if Julio sits, you think it'll be Hardy or Christian Blake? Christian Blake, this guy, man, this guy had nine targets last week. So if you look at the box score, you know, you're like, Ooh, what, what's up? And then he had 16 yards and six of his targets were from Matt Schaub. Yeah. on the final drive you know team so, preseason yep yeah um now i watch christian blake be the guy that we all need you know how, how bad yeah. would that suck i'm not ruling it out uh um <laughs> i also not sure we'll see a role change for russell gage like i'm not sure russell gage can play anywhere except for the slot so even if julio's out i'm not sure russell gage necessarily sees a role change you know what i mean Gage was big last week, though, man. 73% of the snaps, 56 routes run, which is just Mm -hmm. insane. 10 targets. Uh, All of his targets were, you know, one of my initial concerns with Russell Gage was that he only had his big game with Matt Schaub in that game against Seattle, and they didn't do anything for two weeks with Matt Ryan. 
Well, last week he got all of his targets from Matt Ryan. So I think that that's a positive sign. I agree. I expected him to be cheaper, but um, I mean, the situation sets up pretty darn well for Russell Gage on paper. Uh, the, the, the Saints, you know, they're, they're a defense that you attack in the slot. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, uh, I want to mention the tight end injuries for the Falcons. Not expecting Austin Hooper to play. And I kind of think that Luke Stalker is going to sit too. Now, Jaden Graham is a dude that I was um, somewhat excited about when Austin Hooper first went down and they started giving Luke Stalker a bunch of snaps. Luke Stalker is a blocker. Uh, I don't know if they have someone else that they can plug in as a blocker or if we just think that Jaden Graham's going to be out there running a route on every single Matt Ryan drop back. Because if Jaden Graham is, that would be intriguing. Jaden Graham is a strict pass catcher. And honestly, like, I don't think that – I would rather play Jaden Graham, I think, than Dawson Knox. Um, and I think it's not that far off from TJ Hawkinson if we know Stocker's out and he has a bump and roll. What do you think if Stocker's out, Jaden Graham's role will be, Evan? He might play every snap. I mean, this another Ivy League tight end. I think he went to Yale. He did. Uh, yeah, this is a crazy. This is a crazy week for yeah, Ivy Leaguers. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Um, he's got those uh, beautiful uh, blonde flowing locks that Wiggins used to have. He, he cut his hair, but um, he, he's you know he's a beautiful man out there. He had a, <laughs> he had a huge game uh, in the, like just up the seam. It was an awesome play call. Got Jaden Graham like wide open against Tampa Bay last week. He, I think it was like he went for like 53 yards or something. Um, he got up all fired up, was, was targeted once the rest of the game. But, I mean, you know, guys keep like dropping. Like we've got, you know, we now we got Julio banged up. Hooper and, and Hooper is out. And, you know, Sanu is, uh, got traded. And um, I don't know. I think that Jaden Graham is, is pretty is, – he's pretty interesting. I mean, and, and I think that his stock continues to go up as we see a guy like Luke Stocker uh, potentially not playing in this game. It just means more snaps. Like, you know, I think that, you know, these really thin guys on the fringes, you know, just being out there, like one of these guys is going to have a good game. And, you know, we, we got to try to identify that guy. Um, I wanted to mention Devontae Freeman practiced in full today. And it seems like Devontae Freeman will be back. And God, Brian Hill has been, so 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 bad like he went on davis maddox podcast and since then he's just been total dust like holy cow brian hill has been absolutely atrocious i think Devonte freeman comes back and takes most of the role um Devonte freeman has not been productive pretty much at all it's an extremely difficult matchup for atlanta's offensive line against the saints defensive line Devonte coming back though wiggins i mean god it would be I, the problem is like yeah, Devontae sounds horrible, and on a full slate, I would never do it, but we're comparing him to guys like David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, the problem is the law of the Atlanta running backs is if he comes back, that means that Brian Hill will now be getting the red zone touches, and he will score all the touchdowns. So, no, I mean, but seriously, they just refuse to give these guys all the touches. And Freeman, I'm joking, of course. He actually has gotten most of the red zone touches. Um, Man, yeah, it's not a play you're going to feel good about. And I think the fact that he's been injured for a few weeks is kind of off people's radar. He's been on the injury report this week. Um, will probably push his ownership down. And look, there's no way that he's much worse of a play than Montgomery. And he might have a third of the ownership. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll come up as people realize he's playing. It's a better game environment. But across, you know, we're talking about these dusty tight ends. We're talking about dusty running backs. I would give, you know, 
take the guy in, in a better game environment. This is a game that could legitimately go berserk. And you're not, I, I just don't think there's any outcome where you have like 35 to 40 in, in the Bears Lions game. It's just never happening. And this game actually could potentially shoot out. There's a, there's a path for it to occur. So if you can get a guy for low ownership in the same price range in a game that might be a much better environment, yeah, I, I like it. If Freeman plays, I feel like he would make sense as a guy that you could pivot to, you know, um, as a, a late, you know, late game swap because he's probably going to have really low ownership. He does have some theoretical upside and, you know, in your, in your lineups that just look gross. I mean, you know, he, he would make sense as a late swap. For sure. Um, okay. I think one of the biggest questions on the slate is Jared Cook because either you play Jared Cook and we all know about Jared Cook's four ceiling combo. Uh, it's wide. Okay. Or you punt it off with a lot of these guys that we've talked about who, God, I mean, we don't know if they're even going to be targeted some of these guys. Uh, so I think the question is a big question is how much of a priority is Jared Cook? I'll start with Wiggins here before we get to Jared Cook's actual matchup. Just from a pricing perspective, how much of a priority do you think Jared Cook is? And, you know, with the gap between Jared Cook and the next best tight end, you know, depending on what you think about Jason Witten or Dawson Knox or some of these guys, it can be pretty wide. I think that's a question people need to ask themselves is how wide do I think the gap is between Jared Cook and my second best tight end on this slate? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that could definitely break the slate. If he goes for like 700 and a touchdown and all these other dust balls score like five or six points, which is, I mean, it could easily happen, uh, then you're going to need to have him. So, Look, on DraftKings, he's 4.8K. He's a lot easier to get into your lineup, I think, especially with some of these min price guys. Um, I don't know. I haven't decided how much of a priority he is. And now you guys are selling me on this JD and Graham guy with the foreign locks and everything. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds pretty good. Um, FanDuel is a totally different story, though. I mean, I just don't see how you can get him in your cash game lineups at 6.7K. It, it's just too expensive. So, I'll probably be looking more at Knox at 4.5 or Graham's 4.9 on there. There's just a, you know, Hawkinson's 4.7. There's a bunch of guys in there and you're just, you're just praying for a touchdown basically. And you're praying that Cook doesn't have some crazy game. Really, if Cook doesn't score a touchdown on Fandle, then you're probably fine with any of the other guys. You know, DraftKings, you also, he could get a bunch of catches. He could get the bonus. I know he just, he had like six for 99 last week, I think, in a touchdown. So he, he scored 20 points and he just missed the bonus too. Um, yeah, so um, that is probably the biggest decision point of the slate is what you do at tight end and then how it plays out. So think wisely. But, yeah, it's it's a tough decision. I don't have the answer for you. All right, Evan, why don't you talk about the exact matchup for Jerry Cook? Because, yeah, we know Jerry Cook's the best tight end play on the slate on raw projection, but how good of a play is Jerry Cook just in a vacuum? I think it's an awesome play. I mean, I think that, you know, if we were just stretching him out to, like, the entire slate, you know, just every game going on, he'd be like a top five play. He has uh, 70 plus yards and or a touchdown in five straight games. So he's uh, showed consistency. He leads all NFL tight ends in air yards over the last three weeks. Um, you know, the Saints should be able to put up a big number here. Uh, you know, they the, the Falcons haven't been good covering tight ends since they lost Keanu Neal way back when. And Jared Cook has been balling, man. Um, I think that he's... I think he's severely underpriced on uh, on DraftKings. Mm -hmm. We're getting to a point where you can't play. I mean, you know. So I think 
the thing about it is playing, you can certainly do it with Jared Cook and Amari, uh, sorry, not Amari, Jared Cook and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott and Jared Cook, but you're likely going to end up with a lot of bears in your lineup because that's where uh, a lot of the value is. So Hey, the bears are playing the Lions, bro. And the bears are playing the Lions. They're still quarterback by Mitch Trubisky. So there's going to be, there's going to be some pause there, but yeah, you know, I think that's the way a lot of lineups are going to go specifically uh, on DraftKings. All right. We didn't mention Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn. You know, it's so frustrating to me that Drew Brees only throws to three guys. And really he was only throwing to two guys for a while. Jared Cooks entered the trust tree uh, lately. Uh, but God, I mean, I wish I could play Traquan. I think Traquan's actually good. I can't project him for more than like two targets. Can I, Evan? Maybe three. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't get it. Like the the Saints really for the last couple years, when Michael Thomas is not in the slot and they have another slot receiver in the game, like that dude never gets the ball. I mean, it's been, you know, Killa Keith. It's been uh, Cam Meredith, you know, during Mm -hmm. his, you know, two or three chances. It's been Austin Carr. And now it's Traquan Smith. Like Traquan Smith is the Saints slot receiver. But, man, they never throw the ball to him. Uh, I mean, he he had good – he ran 30 routes last week, 18 of them uh, in the slot. And um, you could definitely get after the Falcons in the slot. Like, look what Chris Godwin did last week against them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Traquan Smith is one of these really thin plays that, you know, if he has, you know, three for 45 and a touchdown, you know, he's a really big dif- difference maker on this slate. His, his price is pretty good. I think he's 3,800, I want to say. And I think that Ginn is 3,900. Is that correct? I think so, yep. Yeah. Um, Ginn did have uh, a big play chance that just went right off his fingertips, uh, executed another one last week. Uh, He ran 30 – like they ran the exact same number of routes, Ginn and Traquan Smith, last week. Ginn had five targets. Traquan Smith had three. Um, You know, they're just almost like the same play. And at the end of the day, like they'll probably be separated by like seven fantasy points and getting them right, getting, you know, getting the guy right here, I think uh, has a chance to, to be a, a tilter on this slate. Yeah. Sorry. Traquan Smith is 3,500 on DraftKings. Ted Ginn is 3,800. So they're even cheaper. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think Traquan Smith is younger and better, but he's Ted Ginn certainly has a longer history with Drew Brees. Um, any interest in these guys, Wiggins, I, I mean, in the large field stuff, uh, these guys have chances, I think, to break slates. I'm just not that optimistic they're going to see any volume whatsoever. No, they're not going to receive much volume, but they could. You, you don't really need the volume. What you're looking for is one, maybe two long touchdowns. And the leverage plays of a Michael Thomas, Kamara, and Jared Cook are going to be the highest tone guys on the slate. So, yes, you have to look at them in tournaments. And I would look more at Ted Ginn because Traycon Smith is the sexy play. He's cheaper. He's going to garner more ownership and I think his expectation is lower than Ted Ginn so I don't know what Ted Ginn's gonna be owned at probably like five percent maybe Traquan's like pushing 10 or something just because it's such a small slate so I'd take the guy that I think is probably projected for a point or two more and is less owned and you know it's a dart throw but you're just hoping he catches a long touchdown and if if he does you very well may need him in your lineup to win a big tournament uh we haven't mentioned the Saints running back situation obviously Alvin Kamara I mean god you know uh, even in games where Alvin Kamara could not get much going, he ends up catching nine balls. Uh, the floor on Alvin Kamara and the way he's being used, specifically on full PPR DraftKings, is just outrageous. Latavius Murray is 5,600, which I think is going to price a lot of people out. 
Obviously, Alvin Kamara, I think, is going to be like 70% owned or something like that. You guys don't need us to tell you that he's a great play. Can we gain leverage by playing Latavius instead of Kamara, Evan? Or can we actually play, are the pass to Kamara and Latavius both having good games? Yeah, this, this is a tough one. I mean, this is just not a spot where I want to play Latavius Murray. Um, his He's been under 40% of the snaps in each of the uh, last three games in which uh, since Alvin Kamara came back from his injury, Latavius Murray, seven, 12, and seven touches in those games. Um, you know, I think the Falcons defense ultimately isn't very good. Uh, and I think that, you know, there is a chance the Saints could build a big lead and Latavius Murray is just, you know, churning clock and churning yards and, you know, even potentially churning touchdowns. Uh, and that would, you know, be very, very tilting, you know, as someone that's probably not going to play very much Latavius Murray. But I mean, he's not, uh, man, he's, he's, not, he's not a fun player right now. I mean, you know, he's uh, priced above David Montgomery, who certainly projects for more touches than him. He's well-priced ahead of Tariq Cohen. Alvin Kamara is just, what a monster. I mean, seven, eight, 10, nine catches in his last four games. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, he's one of those, like Latavius Murray is one of those like game theory plays that I just, I can, I can never latch on to. Yeah. I, I don't, I, yeah. I don't think you can touch Latavius. He's guaranteed to catch more ownership than he should here just because of what he's done. And people will just, you know, people can talk themselves into him and he scored a 26 yard touchdown or something around there last week. Um, but Kamara is the one that's getting the high, high value touches. He's got serious touchdown regression coming. He has only two touchdowns this entire season. And it was just in one game, which I was just looking at today and it blew my mind. He had like, I think 18 touchdowns last year, 13 the year prior when he didn't even play for, you know, much for the first five or six weeks of the season. So Kamara is going to have a huge game sooner rather than later. Yeah. And like Evan said, you have all these other running backs that you know are going to get a bunch of touches that are in the same price range. So, you know what, if the game gets away from us and he ends up salting it and has a big game, like, so be it. But he's guaranteed to be on more than he should for his, for the output that we should expect here. Yeah. I'm not sure he's going to be as high owned as you guys think. I, I think uh, his price is going to be a little bit prohibitive to people, but um, we'll see. And I'll keep working on the ownership projections. I'll probably do my last run on Thursday, early Thursday morning. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here is the quarterbacks in this game. I, I, I'm just, I want to ignore price for a second, Evan. I don't think that Dak is definitely a better raw projection than Drew Brees in this game. Um, and you know, I understand Drew Brees is way more expensive, but ignore price for a second. Who would you rather have Brees or Dak? Oh, I think it's an easy, easy decision. I think it's Breeze, right? Right. But Breeze is what, 1,100 more on DraftKings than Dak Prescott? Is that correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I think we can fit him. I mean, I think there's there's enough yeah. value, and I think that the studs are priced reasonably enough, especially Michael Thomas, who, I don't know, his price went down this week. And uh, Ezekiel Elliott, I think, is uh, not priced where, you know, uh, appropriately, that, you know, or at least – I mean, I think the DraftKings like made it, wanted to make it fun, you know, for, for everyone and, you know, to play some studs and um, that allows us to get to Drew Brees. And I think that, yeah, Drew Brees is the best raw projection quarterback on the slate. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that Dak is going to have less ownership than you, but you're the ownership wizard. And, you know, I, 
I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to those things. Well, specifically on DraftKings, Dak is going to be owned because of because of the price. You know, I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. But yeah, I agree with you that I think Breeze is significantly a better play than Dak um, here. And on Matt Ryan, I mean, you know, he burned a lot of people last week, including myself. Matt Ryan was the highest owned quarterback by a wide margin. I think Matt Ryan has bounced back games uh, in him. Uh, for sure. Was there anything you saw last week from Matt Ryan that makes you think that he can't bounce back here? Um, or was it just a blip one off? No, the biggest problem is that he's been under constant pressure. Uh, well, first of all, he has been dealing with a high ankle sprain and he's been under constant pressure and he lost like his, you know, under pressure dude in Austin Hooper. They traded away Muhammad Sanu who could also serve in a similar role. Um, since their bye week, he's been the fourth most pressured quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and their offense is really, it's non-functional, man. We see it in the running game. We see it in the, the ups and downs from their passing game. You know, they have scored so many points. Like in, they've really leaned on garbage time to score so many of their points this year. And um, it's, uh, you know, they had the, the two game blip, like where they're being carried by the defense and, now the you know now the the defense is bad again and and so is the offense so it's been kind of a sad year for the Falcons. All right, the quarterback position, Wiggins. Final word here. You, I I do agree with me that Dak is going to be significantly more owned than Breeze, or at least even with Breeze, uh, given the pricing on DraftKings. And do you think that we can be we should be prioritizing getting up to the quarterbacks in this game? Yeah, I mean, definitely on DraftKings, he's going to be more owned. On, on FanDuel, I think it's pretty safe to say that Breeze will be the most owned. He's only 300 more than Dak. I, I would add also to what Evan was just saying, like there's serious reason for concern with Matt Ryan. And then just one other footnote with the tight end situation is that the stocker can't go. Like maybe they can't afford to not have a tight end out there that isn't blocking. So I wouldn't just assume that they're going to have Graham out there running a bunch of routes because they're going to need any, all the protection they can get. So And, and the Saints defense is good. So you, you, there's a, a lot of ways that this should be a dumpster fire for the Falcons. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's why I like Matt Ryan a lot in tournaments on DraftKings. He's 6.4K. Like, you just kind of no man's land there. If, you, if you're – people are going to – they're going to want to play Josh Allen for 200 less. He's a sexier play. Dak for 700 less. And then Breeze, you know, is only 400 more. So I don't think you'll catch any ownership on DraftKings, even in tournaments. And then Fandle, he's 7.7. So he's kind of – he's really the cheapest – in-play quarterback, so I think he'll catch a lot more ownership there, and you could even consider him maybe in cash there, but that, I don't know, it makes me a little bit worried. I think I'm going to try and get up to Breeze there, just because you know, he, Breeze is like one of these guys who just doesn't project as well as I think he should. I don't know. Like I, I get how it works out, but there's just he's a lot more likely to go off than any, any other quarterback on the slate, in my opinion, so, and, and he just has such a high floor that and it's not that hard to get to him. It's only 800 bucks off of Matt Ryan. So, it, you know, it's like if you if you save that 800 bucks and Matt Ryan goes for eight points again like he did last week and Breeze goes for 25, uh, you're, you're going to be regretting not finding that money because it's not that hard on FanDuel this week. Uh, we didn't mention Michael Thomas. I think it goes without saying that Michael Thomas is like, I mean, God, the level Michael Thomas is playing at right now, I would compare his, the way he's being used to almost like a running back given his catch rate, given his, route tree and given how much they rely on him i mean it's absolutely insane and michael thomas i think will be probably the most owned higher owned than camara and higher owned than ezekiel elliott and i think with uh good reasons so i assume you don't see any merit for michael thomas fades evan outside of ownership slash galaxy brain you know game theory bro stuff 
given um, the fact that Michael Thomas salary went down because DraftKings, you know, wanted to just make it fun for the people. Uh, I mean, should we play Thursday through, you know, Monday so that we can get Michael Thomas at 9,100, you know, whereas he should be priced at like 10K and Ezekiel Elliott at 7,400 seems like an awfully good price as well. You know, we're just, we're getting these dudes at like super low. Like, should we play Thursday through Monday? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Wiggins plays every slate. We go on Thursday to Monday slate Wiggins. I don't play that anymore. I'm, I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> I would say Michael Thomas. So I think he's a much better fade on FanDuel because you don't have the bonus, you don't have the PPR. So you're basically just hoping he doesn't score a touchdown. And there's a lot of other guys who score touchdowns there. So um, much prefer fading him on FanDuel and, and DraftKings. I think his worst game of the year is like 16 or 17 points. So, I mean, he's just, like you said, he's like a running back. He's almost better than all the running backs. His floor is just so absurdly high. It's like, he's way more likely to go for 30, I feel like, than like 10. So he's, he's a tough fade on DraftKings at that price. Yeah, the way he's being used is like so perfect for a DraftKings format. It's like, it's crazy what's going on. And same with McCaffrey too, who DraftKings, I think, underpriced again on the main slate. But anyways... We'll be talking about that on Friday. I think we've covered this Thanksgiving slate. I can't believe we just spent over an hour on three games. There's something truly sick and, and wrong with us. We will spend roughly 90 minutes on Friday night going position by position, talking through our favorite plays and plays maybe we don't like on Friday night. And that will be not on YouTube. That will be on Established to Run. If you are not a member yet, we do have a bunch of promo codes going. As I said at the top, you can go ahead and scroll back on your trusty YouTube scroller there. Go back to the beginning. Find the promo codes, find what you need. Get in the ETR member league if you already are a member. We hope to see you in there. All right. Hope you all sincerely have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your bird carcass, your anal stuffing. Uh, get it down to the bone. Do all that good stuff. And, and really, more importantly, enjoy the slate, man, because this is a you know, short slate. For those of you guys that don't normally play short slates, they're so fun. You know, I think Wigan said it before. Like Every play means so much. It's not like, well, that guy just went off for a 50-yard touchdown. I can get it back later. And it was like, no, there's no getting it back later. If you don't have them, it's, it's curtains. So, uh, so every play means uh, a ton uh, on the three-game slates, which, you know, is the most fun. So for Evan, for Wiggins, for everybody at ETR, we wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. We will see you on Friday night.